Hey, this is your Olympic hero, Kurt Angle, and I don't suck, and neither does the Piffles podcast, but anyone who plays the Riders, they suck. Oh, it's true. It's damn true. Let's go, Rider Nation. I'm ready. I'm ready. We're ready. We're giving it all we got. This is the Piffles Podcast, your Saskatchewan Rough Riders fan podcast. And uh, we can say that. I don't know if the team can say that they're giving it all they got after yet another loss. We're going to talk plenty about that. You got me. I'm Alex. I'm Steve. And that was the suckiest bunch of sucks has ever sucked. I put that in my article for the uh, morning after because that was the only thing I could think of that described that game that team sure did suck last night mo yeah i i had to listen to the first half driving to lethbridge and i thought it couldn't get worse from there and it got worse it from did. there yep we didn't sure did. we didn't even get into the opening kickoff we got our simpsons reference out of the way well done oh there'll be a few more um you can give me a follow on uh, x at uh, real alex d I decided I'm joining the party now. It's just fun to do. As always, Steve is uh, the last one to join in on the fun. That's usually how it works. Pumpkin spice for life. Uh, you can find me at Safamud. And as always, I do not need nor want your pity follows at Greg on Sports. And uh, of course, the uh, Piffles account at Piffles Pod. Uh, you can give us uh, a like on Facebook as well. Uh, we're on there. Uh, thank you, everybody, for uh, listening on your favorite podcast platform. Uh, people watching on YouTube and, of course, on Sastel Max TV on demand. We appreciate it. Thank you very much. Piffles Podcast is brought to you by our great friends at Dairy Queen on Elphinstone Street and Sass Drive in Regina. Dairy and Durant went there, apparently. Um, got a blizzard, some onion rings, and uh, something else I think I saw. So, yeah, that's nice. pretty cool. Uh, obvious listener. Yeah, like, he, like Dickie, listens to us, apparently. Oh, we got uh, we got some football to talk about. Let's jump to the opening kickoff. Oh, oh no! Oh, Greg's not ready. I'm failing. How often you fail that podcast? Happen? That's impossible. Impossible. What was that? Oh my lord! Oh well, <laughs> that was embarrassing. One day we're, Greg. we're Hey, we're hey e- easy there, Timmy O'Toole. We're gonna have to get your echo on, on camera sometime. Got to try. You, you have one uh, job though, one job. Push buttons. I I do. But you know what? That uh, kind of was a microcosm for that last game that we saw. Riders losing thirty-eight to thirteen, dropping their fifth straight game. Now six and ten on the year to the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Um, yeah, you showed up just as much as they did, Greg. Uh, late and not really at all. Would it help if I clapped? Maybe, maybe. Yeah. Throwing your name in for coach? Uh, I can't be any worse. Oh, I'm. You know, honestly. So we talked last week about how emotional this game was going to be. You had uh, the George Reed ceremony, which was I thought fantastic. Uh, having his daughter Georgette uh, do a little speech before the game started was excellent. Um, of course, the 2013 team there. 
and everything that they did with them was was great. Um, to come out that flat, to me, that was the biggest embarrassing thing. I can live with a team losing. There's a winner and there's a loser in sports. It happens. That's fine. If you go out there and you're busting your hump and you're doing everything you can, you're giving everything you have and you lose, that's okay. You get beat by a better team sometimes. That's that's life. That's sports. But to come out and basically not even care, not even try and look lethargic and whatever other words you want to use, that to me was the biggest slap in the face to from the organization to the fans, the the money payers to see that. And it was just, that was so frustrating. And I don't even have any more words for it. Like, it's just, it's pathetic is what it was. Like I said on X this weekend was, like, I've been on the, it's too late to get rid of Dickie. Like, we're just going to, we're stuck with him. I pray to God we don't, he doesn't come catch lightning in a bottle in the playoffs. But that kind of performance where the team just came out flat and you had to think there was, should be some emotion there. They just didn't care. It was, it was the saddest thing I've ever seen. And fortunately for the so-called 25,000 paid or however they announced it, there wasn't that many there. There was a lot of green seats. It wasn't in front of that many people, but it was an embarrassment it is probably the worst game I've ever seen this team play. And we, we've seen some pretty bad rider games. We were at Banjo Bowl. And this, <laughs> I wasn't to me, this felt worse. Because at least at the Banjo Bowl, you, you, you knew going into that game, we were going to get smacked around. It was going to be awful. We were away from home. With this game, when you have the 2013 tribute or celebration, the tribute to George Reed, that moment of celebration which, by the way, was a fantastic touch from uh, from Georgette Reed, having a moment of celebration instead of the moment of silence. That crowd, as big as it was or small as it was, whatever you, word you want to use, came came ready to go. There, there was some noise there, and you could feel it, leave, that entire atmosphere leave as soon as that 88-yard uh, pass ha- happened. Like it, That was it. I've never felt a stadium empty in atmosphere like it did that on Saturday night. And to come out like this on a night like that tells me everything we need to know about this coaching staff, this organization, and the players on this team. If you can't get get ready for a game like that, you have no business putting on that logo. You're you're no longer playing for the, the logo. You're playing for the name on your back and nothing else. Yeah, so I'll, I'll level with you guys. I stopped paying attention to that game in the second half. Um, I tuned out. I really did. I, I knew the game was over. It wasn't close. And it started with that 88 yard pass. And I just rolled my eyes. I said, here we go. The defense is getting picked up or picked apart already. And it didn't stop over 500 yards again, given up by the defense, another hundred yard rusher for the opposing team. Like it's just, there's no change whatsoever. And I didn't I didn't go back go back and watch the highlights. Usually I'll at least, you know, go back to to the the CFL.ca eight, ten minute package, whatever they put together and watch that. I didn't. Like I, I tuned out. 
I, I couldn't even tell you what Hamilton's touchdowns look like. I just stopped paying attention. And that's the worst part is I know I'm not the only person that did that. And I, when your fans are just not caring anymore, that's bad. That's not I'm, good, guys. I'm right there with you. I spent most of the second half keeping an eye on where Darian Durant was on his lap around the stadium signing autographs. Yeah. Because that, to me, was more exciting than anything the team was was doing from the moment the game kicked off. And he had more heart signing autographs than the team had on the field playing for their for their season. Like it's just embarrassing. Well, like I said, I'd listen to the first part of the game driving and uh basically tuned in to the uh George Reed stuff around mess and hat and carried the carried the game the rest of the way to Lethbridge and like it was it was weird. You could you could hear it on the radio. The crowd was into it, and then that because it looked like they were forcing them, looked like they were forcing going to force a good turnover or deep in their zone. Then that eighty eight yards happened, and it just got deadly quiet, except for Luke and the other guy. That's all it was, and it was just like you could feel it immediately, even over the radio. It was just it wasn't good, and it honestly never came back from there. Like that, that crowd was lost from then on. The only other time I really felt the crowd into it was the halftime celebration and about 30 seconds after halftime. Because we just scored the touchdown going into halftime. Jamal Morrow with his big run. We thought there was some hope for that little that little bit. And then the celebration, everyone was amped up. Kickoff happened and it just it left right again. Because I believe, if I remember correctly, we gave up a, a touchdown on the opening drive. Uh we know the Riders actually outscored Hamilton in the in the third quarter, four to three. Ah, right. But it just it just was there was empty. It, there was that moment, and that was it. And that that sucked. Well, I'm glad you mentioned uh, Jamal Morrow. Uh, the one bright spot for the entire team, having over 120 yards rushing on just 18 carries, uh, including that really nice touchdown run. Um, but that was it. He was the only one that seemed to show up. The secondary was awful yet again. The linebackers, terrible. There was no pressure on the quarterbacks. And that was Matthew Schultz uh, playing pretty much the whole game there. Um, what is it about when they bring in a backup, can we not adjust to? Like, Schultz is not that much different than Bo Levi Mitchell. And they... Don't get me wrong. We got torched for an 88-yarder with Bo Levi Mitchell. But other than that, they were playing them pretty tight. And then Schiltz comes in, and everyone just loses their head. How can we not adjust to a different quarterback? If I was the other team, I would just announce a quarterback and sit him after the first snap. <laughs> coaching. Because it's going to it's gonna work. It's going to work. It comes down to coaching. If you can't adjust your team to whoever is on the field, that's not just the guys on the field. That is That is the coaching staff as a whole. And we've seen it all season long. There's no second half adjustments. There's no in-game adjustments. They have a game plan. And they go with it, whether it works or not. Because that's all they've got. Okay, so we're going to talk coaching here. And I want to talk about post-game quotes that we saw and heard and read from Coach Craig Dickinson. Um, I'm going to start off with a good one here, I think. Um, said, 
So there's some good that came out of tonight. Obviously, that was talking about the uh, the 2013 team and the celebration for for George Reed. Um, he says, but man, we didn't uphold our end of the deal as a team, and I feel embarrassed about that. You know what? He acknowledged it. He should be embarrassed by that performance. So the fact that they coach came out and said that, I actually respect that. Um, it was embarrassing. He did say it was the lowest part of his coaching career. I'd agree with that. So there at least is some, you know, he, he is seeing it. That's good. He's acknowledging it. That's got to be good, right? <laughs> I'm I'm more embarrassed right? that he even made it to the press conference. Like, after a performance like that, like, I wish J.O. would have Jim popped that AF. Like, he, he should have canned Dickie's ass and went and said, I'm coaching the team myself till the end of the year. I, I don't know... At this point, who cares? He's getting his entire contract anyway. Just there's no sense having him around. Let Naaman like Roosevelt said, coach the team. Who cares? Let, like I said, my biggest fear is we're actually going to go on a playoff run, and then people are going to all of a sudden start keep Dicky around, and then we're double screwed. Like I would, lo- I would love to see this team turn around and win a Grey Cup, and then coach or er, can Dicky anyways. Because that would just be hilarious to me. You're not gonna you're not gonna fire a coach that just won a great cup. And I'm with you. That's my biggest fear is that we go on some kind of miracle run and make it to the great cup or even even make it in the West Final and put on a good show. And there's gonna be fans that think that's enough. They need to fire him now. Yeah. The, it's the, not whoever too late. steps in cannot be worse. It shows some accountability. It might light a fire under someone's butt. Like there's like at this point, they are playing for their next contracts. Everybody coaches down to the guys on the practice roster. Yep. So if that if that's what it takes, because it's obvious the guys that are starting and that are supposed to be coaching these guys up aren't holding their end of the bargain as per Dickie's quotes. But you you said it accountability, and we've we've harped on that time and time again. There's no fear in that locker room. There's not a single player in that locker room who thinks if I perform poorly, I'm losing my job. And that's been as far back as last season. That's where the problem is for me. There's none of that. There's no concern, and you can't play professional sports without looking over your shoulder. Well, and what I'm seeing from this team and the locker room, the players specifically, there is no leadership. The guys who should be leaders on this team, like a Derek Moncrief, you're not seeing him blow up at guys on the sidelines. He should he should be the one doing that. But at the same time, he's also the guy getting absolutely torched in the secondary. And all the leaders that you would look at who's been there the longest, the guys that should be, you know, the, the guys that the young guys look up to, they're not performing. So even if they were to pull guys aside, you think the young guys are going to see the, or like take that from, from a vet who's not performing themselves. So there's nobody there. I don't see one guy on this roster that kind of can stand up and be a leader in that locker room. And everybody stops and, and listens. I don't see one person in that locker room that can do that. And that's a problem. The closest I saw that happening this year was after Robertson took that really stupid penalty. 
and the Micah Johnson. Uh, no, it was Lanier on the sideline. Mm-hmm. Micah Johnson, yes, on the field, but Lanier on the sideline was giving it to Robertson with both barrels, basically telling him how much he almost cost them the game. Like that is the closest I've seen it, and I haven't seen a lick of it since. After they got their butts blown out in Vangible. So, yeah, and, and I mean that starts at the top with the coaching, and we're going to go back to uh, some some coach quotes here. Now we're getting to the ones where I just I roll my eyes, and I'm just this guy is still our coach. I did not see that coming at all. I told the team I don't have a lot of words for you because never in a million years did I think we'd go out there with all the things that that you have to play for playoffs, honoring George Reed and his family, the 2013 team, and just the intrinsic or tr- intrinsic motivate motivation of going out there and doing what we love to do. I just did not see that coming. Everybody saw it coming. Everybody That's like. like- I, I thought for sure if there was one game that they're actually going to show up, this was going to be it. There was no way that they were going to come out flat. And after the first drive, I knew it was done. I threw my hands up like, no, it's it's over. I know it. I know it is. You're telling me you can't see that coming? He's so that's, oblivious to things. That's one step above his quote last year saying he doesn't go in the locker room because that's the player's space. Oh, that one bugged me to, to no end. I, I, um, I think he went I think he went back to that. Actually, you no know, one thing we didn't talk about was the recipe card store uh, report that came out a few weeks ago. Did you guys see that? I did not. Dickey basically had them re- basically do goal like goal brainstorming on recipe cards. You know when they went back to the like lighter practices, one of his coaching techniques was to basically get them to set goals. Like they're a 13 year old JV squad. So he's going to make a dream board to get us out of this. Essentially. Wonderful. Like, that should have been proof enough that Dickie's in over his head. Cause he, apparently he's reaching down to legit high school junior varsity tactics for pro players. Well, I mean, when your coaching staff is filled with guys who are high school coaches, or who should be just high school coaches. Yeah, I guess that's kind of what you're going to get, right? Um, I like this one. I'm just shocked by it. Um, and I don't have a lot of things to say other than we're just going to roll up our sleeves and try to get back to work and find a way to win one game against Calgary. We're going to try to get back to work. And then says we get paid to work win lose or draw regardless of the performance and what happened out there we get paid to come in and go to work they're literally just putting in motions we're gonna try we're gonna try no stop trying there is no trying just do it like that little green yoda guy says right did i is that right green yoda do or do not there is no try and that hurt my nerd soul I know I did that on purpose. Yeah, remember it's a puppet, not an actual, not an actual creature. I'm waiting for that explosion from Steve. It's not coming. Um, but I, I, I wish there's someone on the thing for me on Twitter that made a good point. George Reed's like the thing on this video. Like, what was it? He came, he played, he stayed, or whatever it was. Yeah. These guys have come. They get paid. And they're just getting ready to pack their bags to leave. There is no, and I, like I said, I wish I knew who to attribute to that. That was a very good point. Like there is, 
no desire on this team right now. And it is just scary to think that we we pay to suffer like this. Like I we're it's gonna tough. pay more next year too. <laughs> I was gonna say, yeah, we're I, I, yeah, we're gonna get to that, I assume. But uh, it's yeah. it's just it's it's brutal. And I and I don't get it. Like this team has proclaimed um uh prolonged success, sustained success. And it hasn't happened since they said, hey, this is what we're going to do. You caught lightning in a ball in 2019, and that's it. It's gotten progressively worse since then. And no one knows how to pull this out of the ta- uh, pull the tailspin out. The fans and do. I, well, some, some, some do. The pinks. Oh, they all that's think they, every, Everyone thinks they know, including us. We all think we know as well. But the fact remains is, like I said, I've always been, you got to get rid of Dickie before you get rid of J.O. J.O. deserves a second head coach. And now I'm wondering, yeah, does he? Maybe he already made his bed by re-upping Dickie and sticking with him. And then everyone's like, well, you got to get rid, get rid of Reynolds too. And I'm like, the team's making money. So that's all he's supposed to do. But you look at the attendance and you look at where this is going and you look at paying 25% more on every piece of item in the writer store compared to every other place in this league. And maybe they're not wrong either. It's very hard for me to say everyone's wrong or everyone's right. Or it's some combination because everyone sucks. It doesn't matter from top to bottom. This team stinks. And like, this is the worst I've ever felt as a writer fan. And I lived through some terrible times. <laughs> um, one more quote I want to get to before we talk about blowing it all up. Um, and it was about the changes from, from the week before last week, Craig Dickinson said, we'd see new faces <coughs> and we did. Um, they didn't do anything. Um, at least they didn't do anything to, st- to stand out. I don't think there was any awful performances uh, individually by some of the new players um, like William Poole or, or TJ Brunson uh, replacing Micah tights. Um but Dickinson saying, I think the changes that affected our confidence on defense. There were some new faces out there that didn't work out as well as I'd hope. And I take responsibility responsibility for that. It might've been a little big for some of those guys, but that's something we've been talking about as a staff for a long time. Now we've got to keep it simple. We've got to do a good job of communicating in the back end. So he's talking about the secondary there. Now we've got to keep it simple. Um, I've been saying it's that pretty... for eight weeks here. I don't know. I think our defense is pretty simple as it is. Every other team has seemed to figure it out. Well, it's, like, a, it's a it's a zone. It's a soft zone. They're going to give you twenty yards. Oh, S A W F T. It's it's bad. Yes. Yes. Um. Every every single team has figured out what the Riders are going to do, and they. Game planning for this team must be so easy. There's no long nights if you're the opposing coach trying to figure out what you're going to do. You put in your eight hours and you can dust your hands off and be like, yep, this is going to beat them by 20 points because that's exactly what's happening. So what we're going to do is we're going to hand it off a bit and then we're going to just pick off the soft zone and uh, call it a day. That's all you got to do. I was going to say eight hours. What are they doing for the other seven hours and 45 minutes? Laughing about it. 
I, I assume there's probably coffee in that 15 minutes they're they're doing it too. Like this, this team is tur- embarrassing. Madden tournament? Madden tournament? I don't know. Oh. But just I I wish I could give you an answer. I I really could. I don't know what the answer is other than just blowing everything up. But how do you do that at this point of the year? You can't. Or but they you- won't anyway. Um and it, and in terms of players, obviously you're not going to bring in 40 six new guys to play next week. That's impossible. But there's just, I, I don't know guys. I like, I really don't know. So talking about blowing it up, I do say do it now. I mean, I said it a couple months ago, but um, you wrote a song about it and we got blasted for it, but hey, yeah. <laughs> um, like it's Jason Shivers needs to go. And I was the one that was saying he should be the next guy to to lead this team. Nope, I was wrong. Way wrong. Somehow his defense has gotten worse. And Kelly Jeffrey, gone. Yep. Like there's no imagination there in the offense whatsoever. Um, Dickinson, I've I think seen, everybody I've knows. I've seen preseason off- offenses with more creativity and excitement than what Kelly Jeffrey is putting out there on a weekly basis. And the guy's just is not it? ready. Like he he's just not set for the pros. I don't know how you can give a coordinator position to somebody who isn't even a positional coach first in the, in the pros. Because he, like he was got a, the job by default. Well, and it's not everyone like, yeah. else. They offered the job said, <laughs> no, yep. that is why that should have really but, showed us what we were in for this year. We call I, I called it from the, from the get go. When a guy gets hired for default, which are the two greatest words in the English language. <laughs> Another Simpsons reference. That's fine. But here's my here's my problem with the Kelly Jeffy offense. Jake is looking worse. Like every every game he's gotten progressively worse. Like he was playing fairly decent he's playing when good, the so-called yeah. handcuff when the handcuffs were off. And now it just seems like they're telling him not to do anything with the ball. They're getting more more tight, more restricted on what he can and can't do. And that's not working. Like it just blow. It, it makes no sense. It's like the middle of the field doesn't exist in Kelly Jeffrey's playbook. Basically run up the middle, run up the middle screen or quick out. Well, four screen. yard, four yard out to Jareth Stearns. That'll do it. Like that's Did all we they think about Marcel Belfade uh, playbook somewhere along the line. Do they find one of those sitting in the back? I would love that, to have Marcel Belfade back right now. Like that's what this offense reminds me of right now. It is a like a Marcel Belfade like high percentage short yardage offense, and it's just like come on. But they're not. They're, a... But they're they're not making it work. Like they're not even making that work. To use a quote you like to use, Greg. Kelly Jeffrey is, is Marcel Belfi if you got him off which. Um, so, I mean, I think we're all in agreement there. The entire coaching staff needs to be changed, and that's head coach as well. Um, how how Now, how far up do you actually go? Because I was saying before, a lot of people were saying fire Jeremy O'Day. I was saying no. I think the talent, the players that he brought in, and I still do believe that that a good portion of the players that he has are good players. I think they're just being misused. Um, they're put in bad positions and they're not being set up for success. If they had proper coaching, 
they'd be better. Um, but now it's, it's a culture thing. This team has accepted losing. They have. And the fact that Jeremy O'Day is nowhere to be found whatsoever during a five game slide, other than just sharing a, a memory of, of George Reed. Um, that says something to me. And same thing with Craig Reynolds. I still don't think I would fire him, but I think there needs to be, to be some shuffling um, in terms of who is the face of the team. And we've talked about that on this show. Um, but I think at this point, I'm saying, yeah, blow it all up. Get rid of O'Day as well, too. And I think I'm on board with, with the fans that are saying fire all three. I was I I was on board up to Jeremy O'Day until today when we learned our season tickets were going up at a massive jump three days after what is probably the worst performance we've seen in ages from this squad. Like I don't think they could have timed that email or that that update any worse than give saying hey, they gotta pay right for those now. rings they gave us somehow. Right? They gotta get their money back. Like, I don't think they realize they're coming off of the MVP plan, which is, I've heard from several people, that's the only reason they still had tickets. So you've got people that are coming off of that. You're coming off of another embarrassing season where there was hope at the start and you watched it all fall apart in the second half. This team was 6-5 and at one point and had just beat the top two teams in the West. You know, at that point, maybe maybe there's a reason to look at upgrading ticket prices and you know doing all of this but when this slide happens they need to concern themselves with filling those seats for next year because if you can't fill mosaic stadium on george reed tribute night with a 2013 team in attendance what the hell are you and giving away almost eight thousand tickets what are you going to do next year when you up prices by 20 percent Teams aren't going to, fans aren't going to come back until they start seeing success on the field again. And that's not going to happen overnight. This team is not going to get there on a quick change, not the way they're looking right now. So we're going to be looking at a lot of half empty stadiums. And, you know, we were all fans in the 90s and 2000s. That's not a fun look. This is, this was the pride of the CFL for the last 20 years. And to see it fall the way it has to, to come back to the point where we're almost a laughing stock right now is, you know, the, the only thing they can say is we're not Ottawa. That's it. Yeah. At least the buses that we send people on have bathrooms. Well, if the, if the riders did it, it, it might be, but at least we take care of our fans. <laughs> Honestly, I, I'm, I'm still on the not, get rid of O'Day yet because he he's shown he's he's got an I don't know if he's got a good scouting staff or what he's shown he can draft his he's Canadian draft has been great it's it, and it's show, it shown he can he's he's found some players so I'm not a hundred percent on that on that that said from players I talked to he's not fun to deal with on the contract aspect of it which I don't know whether that's good or bad uh the stories are fun 
that said, Winnipeg hasn't re-upped Kyle Walters yet. And I keep on hearing O'Shea is angling for the GM job. So if he's available, I I would take I would take make that trade. Okay, well we're we're jumping ahead of ourselves because that was uh one thing that Janice um did she? I didn't even know that about and, and that that's that's where I'm gonna head with that. Um but we'll get to that in just a minute. Um one more thing for the riders here before uh we move on. Um uh, they did sign a defensive back, Abu Dermi Soiree. Uh, I hope I said that right. Uh he was released by the bombers last week. He started five games at corner. Um whether we see him play at all in these final two games, I don't know. But what the hell? Well, we're obviously planning for the Western Final. That, that's why we brought him in, so we can get a good look at the Bombers playbook. I guess so. <laughs> I want what you're drinking. <laughs> our, our good friends at Churchill. <laughs> oh, I have that. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's the opening kickoff presented by Kathy Festion of Royal LePage Regina Realty. Let's jump to our Churchill Brewing Company odds and end zones. And this is what I mentioned. Uh, our friend Janice listens. I hope in... if I read ahead, eh? No, it's better this way. Um, she says, who are you guys' top three choices for a new head coach, defensive coordinator, offensive coordinator, special teams coordinator, or do any of them get a pass? Okay, well, we've already decided none of them get a pass, right? Burn it down. Um, to me, defensive coordinator, offensive coordinator, special teams coordinator, honestly, I don't really care. Um, I want somebody with CFL experience, though. That's what I want out of the coordinator positions. They can be positional coaches that get promoted. That's fine. Just give me somebody that has professional experience. We don't have that with our offensive coordinator right now. This is his professional experience, and it's awful. Um, give me somebody that knows the CFL game. That's it. I don't care. But the head coaching part is the real, real interesting one to me because my first name would be Buck Pierce. Now, that goes to this last point about Kyle Walters. Kyle Walters may or may not re-up in Winnipeg. However whether he's GM, whether he's moved to another office role, whatever they want to do with him. But if he's a free agent, yeah, that's your GM. Then maybe you can try and pluck somebody from Winnipeg, whether that's Buck Pierce. I don't know, because then I think the logical move for Winnipeg, Mike O'Shea goes to GM, Buck Pierce becomes their head coach. Would Buck Pierce want to come here? Uh, I don't know. But if Kyle Walters is the guy here as GM, maybe he does. So Buck Pierce. If is, they hire Buck my... Pierce, I hope they bring in Butler to welcome to. Uh, <laughs> they got to recreate that at some point, safely, of course. Safely, of course, yeah, yeah, that's um, what it's going to be safely. But that'd be my number one name, assuming that's not going to happen because I think he stays in Winnipeg and he's their next head coach. To me, it's one of three, and order doesn't matter to me. I want Jordan Maximic. Offensive coordinator from BC. I want Corey Mace, defensive coordinator for Toronto. Those are the two guys. And maybe Scott Milanovic could be the third. Um, now the offensive play caller for Hamilton. Those are the guys. Younger guys, well, not so much Milanovic, but 
Milanovic has a lot of respect in this league. Um, but I, I want to see a younger guy like Max Simic, like Corey Mace, guys that are young that can relate to these players, that know what these players want to see, what they want to hear, and deliver that and have some new creative minds in there. That's what I want to see. I don't want an old retread. I don't want it to be Kahari Jones. I like Kahari Jones as a person. I, I liked him as offensive coordinator here in 2013. Um, as a head coach, he's not it. I disagree. That was actually going to be my number one choice. Really? Kahari? I, I, I think really? Kahari would do good here. He, 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 know, he, knows, he knows what he's getting himself into. And yes, Buck Pierce, this would still be his first head coaching job. And I don't know if jumping into this fishbowl after how bad it's been is is the best move for him. I I think Kahari would thrive in, in Regina, in Saskatchewan, in this market. But I don't know. I, I, I think a guy's first head coaching job is th- this ain't it. This market ain't it for you because we eat them alive as proven in our track history. I think Kahari right. Jones is the guy if, if Jeremy O'Day is still a GM. I truly believe I, that. I, I agree with you on that point. I think that's a safe hire for J.O. if if he sticks around. I think my dream coaching staff, if I had to throw guys into every position, realizing that there is zero chance that this group of people is our, our three next year because you're not going to get all of them, Jordan Maximic is your head coach. Young, up and coming, done great things in BC. Somebody's got to give him a chance. I hope it's us. Defensive coordinator and assistant head coach would be Corey Mates. Again, you're not going to get him to move over for a lateral position, but this is a dream role, right? This is your who you want, not who you expect, but who you want. And then I'd love to see Mark Mueller as our offensive coordinator. We know he interviewed for the position last year and was offered the job. And honestly, everyone was I would love the to job. See it. <laughs> we were next. <laughs> I, I, I'm pretty sure Jeffrey turned on the job. One of us was next to be offered that job. <laughs> no, we were, we were up for the, the play-by-play role. That's what it was. Oh, uh, yes. Sorry. Yeah, I, for, I, for, I forgot how many jobs we applied for and got turned down. I, <laughs> yeah, I keep showing the back door on that one. But legitimately, uh, you get those three guys. You're getting, you're getting youth with experience. All three have been in and around the Canadian game for a while. But they're young, up and coming, and looking for that that step up, and all come from successful organizations, or at least currently, or used to be successful. But here, here's the thing, though: Ottawa's probably cleaning house too. Like they should. So a guy like Baron Miles is also available, who I wouldn't mind seeing as our defensive coordinator. Like Ottawa has some de- decent coaching; they just don't have the horses. Like their talent is terrible, and I don't think Bobby Bobby Dice like like Dick Dicky is not a head coach material, and I and I respect the hell of that man, even though he has me blocked on Twitter, but, and <laughs> I still don't know why. I, I, I sometimes I deserve it. I really have no clue why Bob Dice has me blocked on Twitter. I don't know. I, 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 I don't know who's out there. Unless you are going to tr- give a guy his first head coaching job, I don't know who's out there. But I think if you are giving a guy his first head coaching job, you need a strong, knowledgeable staff behind him 
that knows what they're doing. You can't just keep on throwing out these new, like have a bunch of first years running around wondering why they can't get anything to happen. So I've, I've seen some people throw out Scott Flory's name. Scott's not going to turn There's, down a, he, a gig. He, that he, he, has. he ain't leaving tenure. He, he's got a good gig no. there. Yeah. He's got a great gig at the U of S uh, that ain't going to happen. We don't have to worry about any U-Haul watches this time around for Scott Flurry. <laughs> God, that was fun. I I hope actually they send him a contract just so he can do the old Abe Simpson uh, turnaround, like he did yep. with the other one. Yeah, I don't know. I'm just two more games, two more games. That's it. You you have a better shot, Scott McCauley, being the head coach of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders more than Scott Flurry. Yeah, probably actually. <laughs> um, hey, Greg, actually speaking of the Regina Thunder, Scott McCauley, head coach, um, Thunder beat the Huskies last week, right? Yep. And Which, we got to play him again this week. Play him again this week uh, at Libel Field. This is the, the semifinal. Semifinal. Uh, winner is probably playing the Hilltops in, in Saskatoon, Saskatoon, unless somehow Calgary gets the Hilltops to slip on a banana peel. Because. <laughs> The Hilltops have been very good this year. And that PFC final, which is probably going to be based on the game this past week, it's probably going to be Thunder Hilltops, and it's going to be an absolute fight. Because last game in uh, Saskatoon, in very, very, very crappy conditions, was still a close game. So the Thunder kept him from actually scoring a touchdown for the first time in a very, very long time. It was 1910, so, I think, right? Yeah, and there was all off singles and uh, field goals. Uh, the the PFC the the old PFC is going to be a good fight, and the winner of the PFC actually ho- hosts the OFC this year, and the winner of that goes to the Canadian Bowl against the winner of the BC Conference. So <sighs> uh, we got two two great teams here in Saskatchewan, so I know we'll be representing very well because I can't see any of the uh, the Alberta teams or you know oh, Calgary Sus- Sus- beating them. So Saskatchewan is like the mounted depth of football in the U sports. And the junior football levels is it's crazy. Like we are living in a very good uh, uh, talent pool of players, despite how small our province is. Like look, look at the flag football. Regina is not only the word of the best flag program in all of North America, but is representing team Canada at the pro bowl this year. Like, And that's going to be an Olympic event flag football. Crazy. Starting- yeah. 2028 i think uh the is it the la games it's the one in the states yeah yeah Yeah. the la games yeah just give saskatchewan the gold medal now exactly um okay jumping back to the cfl um mentioned that season tickets are are going up um i saw this on rider fans somebody looked at their uh invoice and noticed that it went up um they're in the, I think it's the black sections. Uh, it's the upper deck. Um, and they, their three tickets went up a total of about 400 and something bucks total. So just over 125, 130 bucks a ticket. Um, we're in the whites, which are the end zone. 125 is the section I'm in. Um, mine have gone up $104 per seat over the course of the whole season. So that's the 10 games, right? So you're looking at 10 bucks a game. Why timing on that, 
not very good. <laughs> um, it's not like they announced it or anything. Like they didn't send out a big press release or anything. It's just here's your early bird. Now, in their defense, there's also the whole uh, PST uh, on entertainment here in Saskatchewan. So if you went with the early bird pricing last year, you didn't get charged PST. You're going to get that now, regardless of early bird or not. Um, but getting back to that conversation we were having a couple minutes ago, just about filling that stadium. Um, they're already papering this last game against Toronto and we're still, you know, a week and a half away. They're going to lose a lot of season ticket holders this year. They're going to lose a lot. I will be absolutely shocked if their season ticket holder number starts with a two next year. Um, I'm thinking it might be about 15,000 at the absolute most. Well, we, we, we kind of heard that they knew this was coming after the MVP program was closing down. Like, yeah, they were hiring more salespeople in their ticket department to try to make up the back end of this. They knew it was coming. The fact that they decided let's raise the ticket prices is a slap to the face. Now, I don't mind ticket prices going up if you're showing me something on the field. I actually don't mind the in-game experience. I think they've done a lot of good things this year in-game uh, to make it more fan-friendly, more more fun. I, I really think they have. So that's where, I mean, you're going to have some of the money going to, and that makes sense to me. But ultimately, I want to see a competitive game, and we're not seeing that lately. And to justify another 10 bucks a game, at least in our end, where you look in the golds are going up 40% or whatever they're going up, like that's that's a tough ask right now. Um, and I, I hope there's some explaining by Craig Reynolds over the next couple of weeks about this because this just looks, the optics are so bad when this gets out. Um, because I haven't got an email on this. You just have to log into your account manager and then your invoice is there. And it just says, this is what you owe. And that's it. There is no, it's gone up, it's gone down, whatever. So I don't know how many people actually notice, but it's there. See, if, if they were smart, they'll tell you the, the increases for the beginning of the season when they're competitive. And then when they hit Labor Day and they're one in twelve in the last three years, those tickets are at a discount. Because yeah, apparently once they hit Labor Day, they just decide that's when the season ends in the last couple of years. Like you want people to show the games need to be fun. That's one thing Jim Hobson knew very well, and that's why he got rid of the blackouts. Show show the game, show the crowd rocking and rolling, and they had an entertaining team. People wanted to come to the games and that's the reason why they had consecutive sellouts for a very long time. They had to cap season tickets. And now this team is boring. The in-game is getting better, but you don't see it anymore. All you're seeing, all you're seeing in the stands now when it comes to the games is a lot of empty seats. At least they're not doing the old sky dome shooting everything from ground level. But I still could not believe how many empty sections I saw this past weekend on TV. It was 
it's it was bad. And then I hear they announced twenty five thousand. I'm like, where? The the optics to me is the issue. And you, <clears throat> when you look at what they're doing on the field right now, nothing will put butts in the seats more. Ticket prices be damned than winning football. You can raise your ticket prices forty percent if you're continuously winning. This is not an organization that knows what that means. We have four Grey Cups in our history. We are on a slide from like 2019. Okay, you could raise tickets then. There was some success, some positivity, and hope for the future. It's tr- been an absolute train wreck ever since. And to think that people are going to spend more to not show up is insane to me. I get it. Cost of everything goes up. And I'm sure they're going to explain their reasons behind why. Because this isn't going to go silent. People are not going to take this quietly. You're going to hear something. And the, the, the organization will eventually have to respond. They're not going to just say, ticket prices gone up and shrug their shoulders and walk away. They're going to need to sell this. And I don't know how they do. Well, I don't know. I'm really curious to see next year. I I kind of feel I feel bad for the ticket office people that work there because they're going to be dealing with a lot of upset people who are going to be taking it out on the wrong people on the wrong people and that's not right. Um, so be nice to your ticket office agent, okay? Just be nice to them. They don't control anything. They just charge your credit card and that's it. <laughs> so be nice to them. Um, but it'll be interesting next year to see where season tickets are at, how many people drop out, how many people jump in. I don't know. Um, but we'll talk more about that if if they answer to that. Wanna what get we to need to this- do is get all the sh- uh, shareholders together and force <laughs> them to keep tickets low. Because having a share means something. It means you have a voice. Not, not, not with this team. The uh, not with it. That's not how these shares work, people. No, don't get me get wrong. I, I, I love the before. intensity. I love the idea. It doesn't work that way. Well, it's no, a piece it's... of paper and a discount. Yeah. And the discount you don't even get anymore. You get that with your season ticket now. Yep. Um, okay. Well, Riders Stamps this upcoming Friday. Do or die. Oh. Win and you're in. It's simple. And Craig <laughs> Dickinson said he wants to keep it simple. Okay. So keep it simple. Just win, and you're in the playoffs. And all of a sudden, a lot of this negative talk over the last month goes away. Um, so we'll go with we'll go with some energies for, or sorry, uh, some injuries first. Day one um, on Tuesday, no Jackson Ford, Derek Moncrief, Jeremy Clark, TJ Brunson, or Charbel DeBeer on defense. No Tevin Jones on offense, but he was non-existent last week anyway um obviously not good in the defensive backfield um with jackson ford moncrief jeremy clark uh never thought i'd miss jeremy clark but uh there it was last week with how bad the secondary was um a little bit disappointed in deontay williams he started out so well um making the roster and now he just seems lost out there Went went to the Nick uh, Marshall school attack one. Speaking of Nick Marshall, there was a play last game. I don't remember who had the ball, but he was rushing up the middle, 
And all I saw on the play was Nick Marshall running the wrong direction in front of him, away from the tackle. I don't know what happened to him, but sit his ass down. Sorry, I wanted to get get that. Also, Derek Moncrief getting trucked by a quarterback. All right, carry on. Oh, man. I I love Kreef, but he's he's done. He he's it's a year too late now. Um but putting him in the secondary uh, has been awful and then getting trucked by Schultz the way that he did was I mean good for Schultz. I mean, I love seeing quarterbacks do that to to linebackers. Um not when it's a linebacker on your team though. Um but yeah. And if, I mean, Kadeem Carey's got to be licking his chops. Um, oh, I'm scared now. And and they have they have some good running backs in Calgary. Um, and we saw yet again James Butler going over 100 yards this past week. Another 100 yard rusher. I wouldn't be surprised if the Stamps had two of them with uh, was it uh, Dedrick Mills and yeah. and Kadeem Carey. I wouldn't be surprised if both of them ripped off chunk play after chunk play after chunk play. Jake Mayer seems to play good games against the Riders. He's probably going to throw for 450 yards. We're going to make Jake Mayer look like a professional quarterback. (laughs) Which is good. That means he'll keep his job in Calgary and they will suck next year when we actually have a decent coaching staff. I hope so. That'd be great. Um, The sad part is both these teams are terrible and they still have a shot to make the playoffs. And one of them is going to make it. I was, I said to uh, the person I was at the game with that I'm like, you know, I kind of want in a way the Riders to lose out, the Stamps to only win the game against the Riders, then lose their final two and Ottawa to win their three games, (laughs) because at least that way, Ottawa would have made the playoffs in the crossover for the final West spot. At least Ottawa would have gone in winning and earned the spot. Nobody, the Stamps and and the Riders, they don't deserve to be there. And I said, at this point, you might as well just give BC the bye as well. Somebody said, give give us the old two-game Western series uh, point total. I don't like that. Um, Just just throw it way back. You know, I... I, I was like, just give me, just give me BC on a bye week as well. Have the game in Winnipeg. So there's your home, home advantage. But I just want the two best teams in the West final. And it's clear it's BC and Winnipeg. Just make sure they're healthy. That's all I want now. This entire slide that the riders are on. I'd like to look at it and think that it's our fault because four, three, four weeks ago, we were dancing on Calgary's grave, finally celebrating that they were doomed to miss the playoffs and, and all of that. And they're having a losing season and this is fantastic. And they're going to make the playoffs over us. One second. Where's my Somehow. no regrets tattoo? Where's my no regrets yeah. tattoo? <laughs> oh, I do it again in a heartbeat. I don't regret dancing on that grave. They still finished under 500 for the first time since 07. That's fantastic. But they're a 4-11 football team that is potentially going to make the playoffs. I Some love making it at 6-12. Because I can't see the Riders winning this game. I can't see them getting to seven wins. I just cannot see it. And I was the optimist the last couple of weeks, picking them against 
BC, picking them against Hamilton. There's no way I'm going to do that again, which probably means they win. So that's a good thing. Um, but um, going into this game now, we have Jeremy O'Day before day one of practice, spoke to the team to instill some motivation. That'll that'll do it. Um, Jamal Morrow says it was not X's and O's. It was just little things they can do to, to get their swagger back and be able to play well. Where they was le- this a month ago? But still, okay, they legit had the 2013 team on the field talking to them. They had the ghost of George Reed willing them to play better. What the hell is Jeremy O'Day going to tell them? Is is the motivation not the head coach's job? Not if you're Greg Marshall. That is that true. is not his job, and he'll tell you that. <laughs> like, and Corey, Corey Chamberlain will tell you it's not his job to make the plays. That's oh, right, Chamberlain. Anyway, <laughs> who's that Chamberlain guy? It, it's a hell, he should have coached late. the end of that game. Yeah. There's our head coach for next year, Corey Chamberlain. I'm sure Brackenridge and Macho Harris could have suited up and played DB. You know what? Get that fan-controlled right football league and get the fans to call plays for the last couple of games. <laughs> Why not? What else could we do? Um, like, I, I, what's, what's O'Day going to say? Play better your cut? Who cares? Yeah, right. <laughs> um, and and Dickie's saying they're going to focus on the three E's. Uh, not the three eyes, which are very important, um, yes. as Kurt Angle tells us. Um, the three E's, energy, emotion, and execution. If we focus on those things, we'll be good. Okay, well, they haven't shown energy for five games. Um, emotion, they've shown even less in the last five games. And execution, yeah, about five games. Um, but if we... But if we do that all, if it literally just switches, they'll have a good game. Um, I like they're, I don't, I don't know. I and and Britton Gray, writer, uh, beat reporter for for Rolco Radio, said after one of the worst losses of the season, one that had fans calling in disgusting or disgusted with the performance, he said it was the same old, same old intensity at practice, which means it was None. not intense at all. I've had people describe to me as a snowboarding practice, which makes sense. Laid back, no one cares. So what happens when nobody's playing for their jobs? There's no why why work too hard? You're getting paid anyways. Yep. They're they're just putting in the motions right now. Um where are the guys so throwing punches what... at each other? I miss from like I think last time they actually went on a bit of a run. Guys were throwing punches at each other. Let's do that again. We said that every once in a while, it needs to happen. Show some fight. It might have to happen in practice, but show some fight. Um, Dola Gallo starting, not uh, Mason Fine. Um, A lot of people were actually calling for Mason Fine to start this game. um, Just with Dola Gallo. Well, I mean, he's regressed over the last couple games. Um, I think that's play calling, not on him. He's lost five straight games, though. I mean, it's hard to argue with the fact that the guy's lost five straight. 
how how many games does Mason find one as a starting quarterback? As many as Jake Dolagallo over the last five games. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um. So yeah, I, I mean, Dolagallo starting, he still gives them the best option. I agree with that. So, um, but I want to have a little bit of fun here, guys. Play a little game. Um, let's play head coach. We're all going to be the head coach this game. Oh, you're just going to clap. Okay. I love you guys. We're done. <laughs> no, you guys got it down pat. Um, I, I love you. I love you guys. Let's go. But in this game, which is now a must-win game, what would you change about the team this week? Is everything okay? Can we just... Is, is that... Brandon uh, Brandon Council sitting down. Job number one. Cut him. I mean, he'd fire he sits, him. Us take it out of town. He sits down most of the game anyway. So put put Greg at O line before before he ever starts another another game there. Honestly, I would put four Canadians on that O line. I would legit bump Council off. I would go either Blake or Ferland out at the on the outside and put Evan Johnson back in back at guard i can we just go back to the beginning of the year and remind ourselves or tell ourselves that 15 weeks later we'd be hoping for evan johnson Here, here's my concern what oh. what happened to fry like at the beginning of the season we were told like yeah this guy was going to make his way onto the roster and it's to the point where evan johnson's now our sixth and we're rotating through american tackles that once again do not know how to play the game. I, yeah, like yes, we talked about how good O'Day does, but this seems like a giant swing and a miss. That being said, Baldonado is doing very good on special teams. Yeah. yeah. Um, I like that change. You don't need to do it for the ratio anymore. Now that you have, uh, um, what would they do? They they benched or they. Made Tice the backup, but he's still on the field quite a bit. Um, I wish I had a solid answer. Um, just to uh, get into to Greg's head here, I'm going to say let Dolagala cook. Because <laughs> um, I know how much you love letting people cook. Um, we need like a sizzling <laughs> sound effect there. Greg, can you make Once that again, happen I, next time we no, stay? I can tr- I control the cook? buttons, and I may have failed. I may have failed, but there will not be a sizzling sound. Um, I really would just I, I would change the defense, just the schemes. I think the players they have can do the job to win one game. They've already won in Calgary this year. I want them playing man defense. Just make it ridiculously easy. They're they're outplaying themselves or out coaching themselves they're trying to do too much with too little just make it so simple simplify it sandlot football man. Just, call, just call it the line i got this guy you got that guy rush that five yeah. have one linebacker kind of just follow the running back and have your five defensive backs there you go done and keep CJ Rivas there at 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 Sam linebacker playing close to the to the line of scrimmage. Uh, Rivas actually had another really decent game 
against Hamilton. Um, as long as you keep him around the line of scrimmage, dude is everywhere. And he is exactly what Derek Moncrief was a few years ago. Um, I'd love to see more of Rebus. Just the guy, the guy has something. Um, but just keep him at the line of scrimmage. Going back to the offense, um, for me, um, I, at some point, like, is Jake Winicky ever going to crack this roster again? Is he going to be a healthy scratch for the remainder of his tenure as a rider? Because he's getting I mean, paid a lot to be a healthy scratch. Don't get me wrong. Great job if you got it. But he was our <laughs> biggest – he was supposed to be our biggest signing until uh, Walker came in, who we end up cutting. If Tevin Jones is out this game, he missed day one of practice, Weineke kind of slides in, I guess, right? Um, I don't see what – Jareth Stearns can give us that Weineke can't right now. Um, a four yard out isn't enough to stay on the roster for Jareth Stearns. And if they're not going to use the middle of the field and you're only going to use a guy for the little out patterns, I'd rather have a guy doing a post pattern. Um, and Weineke has proven himself in this league that he can run to the outside intermediate routes. At least he's going, you know, 20 yards instead of four. So I just don't see how Stearns is better than Weineke right now. Not in a must-win game anyway. Like, they pull out all the stops. They got to do everything. If they have trick plays that they've been saving all year, this is the game to do it. This is your playoff game. But on the flip side... Kick off onside kick again. On the flip side with Weineke versus Stearns, Weineke hasn't been on the field in 10 weeks? 12 weeks? Forever. I'm not sure I want to be throwing him in cold after basically an entire season away for football. But and he's also Stearns isn't doing anything. He's not they're not using him. So I'm I don't pretty know. sure. I'm pretty sure you said that about Chad Owens back in 2017. Oh, that was me. <sighs> oh, that that, that 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 was why I got kicked out of a certain uh, group. <laughs> Which because I said he was gonna be a healthy scratch and I was. Uh, Apparently reported to Chad Owens that I was a writer hater. Hmm. Makes sense. I don't know. Just whatever, whatever you have in your arsenal, you have to use it all. Trick plays, fake punts. I don't care. This is, you know, at the beginning of the year, Craig Dickinson was aggressive with his play calling and it worked. Um, third and twos, they were going for it and it worked. Now they're not going for it on third and twos. They're punting it away. And Corsac's been great, but punting the ball is not going to win you games. If it was, how John many, Ryan would still be on the team and we'd be kicking singles. How many times on Saturday were we around the 40-yard line and didn't kick a field goal with Brett Lothar? Is he hurt? Yes. Like, there's the only reason why he didn't get a shot in the first half. Because there was at least twice they were at the 45-yard line and punted the ball. And it's not Luke, like the weather was bad. That was a beautiful game. Yeah. Beautiful day for a football game. Luke and the other guy definitely confirmed <laughs> that uh, <laughs> Lothar was injured going in today's game. They wouldn't say what. They just said it was an upper body one. So, it's his shoulder. 100%. We all know it's his shoulder. We saw what yeah. happened. You're not fooling anybody. Just tell him it's his shoulder. He's a kicker. But telling, according, him, according, telling everybody he's got a shoulder injury isn't giving anything away. 
Stop apparently, apparently, Lothar told the other guy, and the the fact that he said this, this live on the radio is even even cracks me up even more. Is that if it was his other side of his body, he wouldn't be able to kick, but he can gut himself through it because it's the right side or left side or whatever side it is. But yeah, yeah he's he's right, he's right hurt. Shoulder. Yeah, yeah, he, he's definitely hurt, and it's hindering his follow through. Then bring in a kicker. Bring back Campbell Fair. He kicked a beauty to to win the Panda game a couple of weeks back. Bring him back for the last couple of games because you can't not take the points when you've got them. We all love Brett Lothar, but if he's hurt, sit him. Bring somebody in. Again, that's a failure on on our GM's shoulders for having no backup options. Well, just. Just win the game. I don't know. I don't know what else to say about this. It's just this is the one. If they if they come out flat here, then I I I don't know. I don't know how I'll react. If they come out with no energy and what we've seen over the last five weeks, then if they come no. out flat and lose to Calgary, I'm setting up a Patreon and we're doing a paywall and we're doing a live show. And immediately can, Friday night and we can retire because it is going to be <laughs> off the walls. There's a reason why we don't record right after games. There's a reason why <laughs> our DMs are fun, wouldn't put anything up. <laughs> the DMs are fun. I, I love that you guys are saying if we come out flat, that's adorable. I love that there's a, some semblance of faith there that, I, the eternal optimist, do not have. And you guys are the ones saying if. What has hey, happened? Right, Rider Nation, baby, there's always hope. Always hope. It's the hope that yeah. kills you. Well, with that said, let's get to our picks for this week. Um, starting off with uh, the first game of the doubleheader on Friday. Uh, BC at Hamilton. I'm going to assume BC's favored by four and a half. Uh, oh, you know what? Hamilton's looked good lately. I'm going to go three and a half. Three and a half. You know what? I Hamilton is the hottest team in the league right now. Um, Wait a second. Did you say Hamilton or BC? Oh, I meant BC. Yeah. I said Hamilton, didn't I? Yeah, you did. So yeah, BC's three and a half. Yeah. Yeah, BC should be favored. Mm-hmm. They are, and it's only three and a half, and that surprised me actually. I mean, uh, BC, BC needs the game to stay in the hunt for first. Um, I can't see Calgary helping them out by beating Winnipeg, uh, which is what BC would need. Um, I, I I actually like Hamilton in this game to win outright. I could see that happening. Uh, I still like. I like VA. I like uh, they got so like as much as we like talking about our receivers, their receivers top to bottom might be the best in the league. The difference uh, between us and them is play calling. Yeah. Uh screw it. I'll take Hamilton uh, to win outright. I'm taking BC. Give me you can give me double the points. I'm still taking BC. They've got everything to play for. Hamilton has a little bit to play for. I know they're playing for second second, place, but they've got their spot locked up. 
I, I learned something the other day, thanks to Josh Smith over at the Podski uh, Wee Wee podcast. Um, no team in the East has finished third and made the Grey Cup in 54 years. 54? 54 years. Wow. Yeah. I thought that was insane, and I went back and looked, and he was right. Wow. Saskatchewan so, did it. Right? Like, that's no third seed has made it. <laughs> in that long that's insane to me meanwhile so, yeah, what? Be... in the west it's what 2019 yep with, with the bombers <laughs> wow yeah. and that's not uncommon in the west no well to be to be fair the east is usually a tire fire and there's a crossover especially in the last two decades so but and still. no team ever and we always hear no team ever crosses over it gets to the great cup so and, but you got to uh, think, yeah, even Otto, even Otto, even Ottawa in their bad years, they won the Grey Cup. We're still what second? Yep. Um, okay, Riders at Calgary. Calgary by two and a half. I'm gonna say Calgary by five and a half. Three and a half. Yeah, stamps with the points, hundred percent. I have no faith in this Riders team this week. Absolutely none. If they could not win this game, they deserve everything that's coming to them. They have to, this, this legit is their last shot at any relevancy, at any chance to say, hey guys, we're not as bad as everyone says we are. I'm taking Saskatchewan. I'm I'm sorry. And this I'm is lose. their chance. This is their chance to. This is their to final say that chance. They're this not is their as final bad. chance. This is their final chance because next week doesn't matter. They're in a the game. The game against the Argos is at minus. They're in a playoff spot and sitting at minus 154 points. I'm sorry. This is their chance to say we're not that. No, they are that bad. Whether beating a terrible Calgary football team. And this I don't want Calgary to make the playoffs. Let bad. me have this, Steve. Let me hey, have this. We're all on board with Calgary missing the playoffs. Like, 100%. But to sit here and say that this is their... No, they've had four chances. They lost to Ottawa. They lost to Edmonton. They lost to Hamilton. They are responsible for half of the four-win team's wins. It's ridiculous. Riders by five. Wow. Because I am a homer, and I just don't want Calgary I knew he was coming around. The longer he no, went yeah, on, totally. I knew he was coming around. <laughs> I was trying to sell myself on picking Calgary. I could not do it. F Calgary. Sorry. <laughs> Can I say that? Am I allowed to use the letter? ABC. We go with ABC. Yeah. Oh. Um, Montreal at Edmonton. Um. Montreal's probably got to be favored by three and a half. Seems to be the the nice round number this week. I'm going to go five and a half again. That seems fun. 1.5. Wow, that's it, hey? Yeah, that's it. I mean, what? Montreal's playing pretty decent ball right now. Uh, they're kind of trending up with Fajardo after they had their little roller coaster ride. Uh, which probably it's, means yeah, that they're it's it's gonna... the tra- it's the trade forward thing right now. I, yeah, 
The money's um, coming in on it. I'm guarantee you this is a better influence number. Noel Thorpe's defense against a Trey Ford. I kind of like Noel Thorpe's defense um, in that one. And the way that they absolutely just dominated last week against Ottawa. Um, yeah. Give me Montreal with the points. That's a bold pick with one and a half points. That's uh <laughs> Yeah. I don't think it's much more than that, though. <laughs> Give me Montreal with the points, too. I'm going the opposite way. I think Trey Ford has shown he can he, he can actually show some flair of creativity uh, when things break down. I, I think Edmonton might shock Montreal. I'm taking Edmonton. But you, you know what I do want to see as we get closer to the end of the year? A Cody Fajardo-led Montreal Alouettes team beating the Blue Bombers in the Grey Cup. No. Because I, that I, would I cannot, cause cannot, so much chaos. Think of all I, the I, chaos I, that would cause here. I, I cannot deal with that. Oh, it'd be, I, it'd be beautiful. I literally cannot deal with that. The amount of... Don't get me wrong. It actually might implode a Facebook group, which would be amazing. But... I, I don't think I can put up with the absolute vitriol out of the fan base because of it. I just want to see Jason Moss and Cody Fajardo crotch chopping DX style up and down Albert Street. <laughs> where's the where, where's the Great Cup parade? Well, it's going to be down Rue St. Catherine and Albert Street. And Albert Street. Like, <laughs> it would be beautiful, but Obviously, we know that's not going to happen. It's going to be Toronto. <laughs> and speaking of the Argos, they're hosting Ottawa in a game no where there is no, no line because we have no idea what Toronto's going to do with their roster. Um, they played Chad Kelly last week, and it, I, it doesn't matter. Yeah, <laughs> I don't care who they who matter. they play. They're going to give me Toronto and the and the points, whatever the points end up being. It can be eight and a half. It could be thirty and a half. Give me Toronto. Has there ever been a two scores? Has there ever been a point spread where it's just times two? Where they're just going to double them? Give me that. It's going to be ugly. Toronto's just too good of a team, even with their backups in, to to lose to Ottawa. And Bob, Day- Bob Dice's days as a head coach are coming yeah. to... Yeah, Ottawa's got place. nothing to play for, so... Yeah. Well, that's uh, I don't know. Uh, it it's it's all about the the Riders and Stamps game this week. I think the other ones are. I mean, you have Hamilton and Montreal fighting for who's going to win second, but the game this week really is Saskatchewan and Calgary. So be interesting. And that's what the CFL marketing is doing. It's basically who's making the playoffs. Is it one oh, of these yeah. two teams? And everyone's Which... like, neither of them because they all suck. <laughs> Which team is going to stumble their way into the playoffs? Well, and that's the thing is who's going to try and lose this game the hardest um, and fail and somehow win this game and make the playoffs. Like, it's just, it's weird. I've never seen teams try so hard to not make the playoffs in my life. Don't worry, I got someone forget queued up for this weekend. (laughs) Did somebody forget to tell the players that there are playoff game checks on the line? Like, there's literal money on the line if they make the playoffs right? That, that's a thing. That, that hasn't changed this year. Because it seems like Calgary and Saskatchewan both are they under the assumption they they play till their contract ends and that's it. Alright. Well, 
that's uh that's it for us this week here on the piffles podcast um thanks everybody for joining us listening on your favorite podcast platform watching us on youtube or on sastel max tv on demand thank you very much uh, Piffles Podcast brought to you by our great friends at Dairy Queen on Elphinstone Street and Sass Drive in Regina. Special thanks, as always, to Kathy Festion of Royal Page Regina Realty and Churchill Brewing Company for their support making the show possible. This is Ghost Behind Your Mind by Tyler Gilbert. The Ghost-